Welcome to Hills Podcast. Hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date each week. Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. I just want to tell you, I was like freaking out this morning. I was like, I've never been on the platform for how many, how long? Man, I hope I still got it. Nah, just kidding. Oh, it's so good to see your beautiful faces. Oh, look, I want to say before you sit down that... I'm just thankful. I'm very thankful to God. For many, a lockdown has been a massive struggle. And if you struggle with um, any type of mental illness, depression, it's even harder. So it's wonderful to see your beautiful faces. It really is. It really is. So I'm going to pray and get over myself. And then see if I can do this again. It's like, can I do this again? I tell you, we were driving back from Felding this morning, and then I said to him, I'm so freaking out. I'm so nervous. He was like, why are you so nervous? It's been a long time since I've been facing people. So, um, you know, just bear with me as I take all the little um, rust off me. Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you. I just want you to raise your hands to heaven. We've got so much to be thankful for as the body of Christ. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for this day today, Pentecostal Sunday, Lord, where you poured out your spirit on your people. And Father, we are part of that blessing. Thank you today that we are here to celebrate on such a significant day, Lord Jesus. Father, I also thank you that as we've come out of hibernation, that we are more sharpened, more empowered. Our ears are more open. Our hearts are more ready. Our eyes can see better, Lord Father, because we have been intimate with you in that place. Lord Jesus, bless the person to the right and to the left. Thank the ones in the front and the back. Oh, our poor Father God, those who are far reached and poor out more to those who need more, Lord Jesus. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that as this word comes out of my mouth, it'll be like a pen ready to write on the hearts of your people, Father God. Let us be active. Let us be moving. Let us be shakers. Let us, Father God, continue to preach the good news to all mankind. For Father, we know that you are coming home and coming to get us in Jesus' name. Amen. On the way down, just um, kick your neighbor and say, bless you. Let's just keep with the, I was going to say high five, but I don't know. I've been really studying the restrictions of um, level two um, and when it comes to churches. So we just want to abide by the government's rules and restrictions. Amen. So instead of high five, kick your neighbor and say, bless your neighbor. As I said, it's wonderful to have you back. Um, It is so good to see you. It's so good um, that we're able to gather in smaller groups this morning. We've been in lockdown since March 25, right? 25th of March, we've been in lockdown. All Kiwis, all New Zealanders, we've had to adapt to the new normal. Immediately, the church needed to move into an era that we as a church never moved into. So can I tell you that it has been an awesome ride of learning. It has been a ride of growing. It has been a ride of challenge. It's been a ride of adapting. It's been an amazing ride, but I'm thankful. I can say thankful. I can say thank you to the Lord. He's kept us. He's protected us. He's um, looked after us. He's cared for us. He's cared for your family. Now, um, if you've got family overseas like Christine and family like us overseas, that 
are so far, we can't be with them. You know, it's so difficult. And if you're by yourself, it's even more difficult. So I just want to say thank you to the Lord. Amen. I hope you've had an amazing time in incubation. I call it incubation. You know, it's like God's just kind of put his wings over you and he's given you some time. I think this time, personally for me, has been a time to restore. Even though we were a central business, we were asked to remain open right through lockdown. And um, DHB and that did really amazing getting us PE gear um, to our office. And um, we still, homelessness doesn't stop. Feeding the hungry don't stop. People still need shelter. People still need food. Um, Even though our 16 staff, um, they weren't able to work from the office. They worked from their home. But me and Pastor Sini, we were on the road consistently right through the lockdown, getting people off the streets and into homes and into hotels. So I find it a privilege to do that. It's a privilege. It's not something that we take lightly. It's not something that we take for granted. It's For me, it's a privilege that God has allowed us to do that. So it's it's been amazing. Um, again, today is significant. Today is Pentecostal Sunday, day we celebrate and recognize the gift of Holy Ghost. Amen. So um, I've been asking um, heaven to just pour upon this place. I believe we cannot go back. <laughs> We can't go back. We can't go back to church as usual. So if you see your pastor losing it, it's only because she has been vulnerable to Holy Ghost, okay? So just love me enough to let me lose myself in the presence of the God, amen? And I give you permission also to lose yourself in that place. Hallelujah. You're in a safe place to lose yourself. Amen. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 37. I'm going to baseline our our sermon this morning. I'm going to share stories from the Word of God about the waiting rooms in which God places us throughout our lives. I took this message from what our government, from what our Prime Minister, our current Prime Minister, current Prime Minister has released that level two is a waiting room for us. Amen. So I draw, I pulled that off her and I decided that we're going to do a series on the waiting room. So Psalms at 37, seven, what verse? If you have it or if it's behind me, can we be upstanding and read his word this morning? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Okay, stop. Can we just read that again? Just, I want us to hear that there's something to do while we're waiting for him. Amen? Let's go. Rest in the Lord. Amen. Sit down. Thank you, church. So this morning I said that we're going to start a new series called The Waiting Room. The idea of the waiting room is what we do when we live in the gap between what God has promised and what our reality looks like. Someone say the gap. So the thought or the idea around this series is the place between the promise and the manifestation of that promise. The waiting room is is a waiting room, a place in which we are waiting on God to intervene. Have you been to that place? Like you're just there and you need God to intervene. You know that you can't do it. You've tried it. It doesn't work. You've done A, B, and C. You've strategized your plan, your financially um, forecast. You've done all this stuff, but you need an intervention from heaven. Have you been to that place? 
It is a period between God's promise and the fulfillment of that promise, that place, the waiting room. The waiting room is a place where sometimes you and I might be tempted to believe God has left us. I'll just, um, again, allow me to be vulnerable because I've been stripped naked before God over the last eight weeks, okay? So it's a place in which sometimes you and I may feel vulnerable and tempted to feel that God has left us. In this place, it's where many people will tend to judge us by our waiting. You know when you're in that waiting period? When others don't understand why you're in that place, you could be judged by the external things, but God is looking on the internal things because he's placed you in the waiting room for a reason, but others around you may not necessarily understand your waiting place. In that waiting place, it can be hard. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing to you about this place. And my prayer that as you and I journey through the series of waiting rooms that we will find ourselves, whether we're waiting on the mountaintops, whether we're waiting in the valleys, whether we're waiting in debt, <laughs> whether we're waiting in frustration, whether we're waiting in depression, we were waiting in a marriage breakup, wherever you, whether we're waiting whilst we've lost a loved one, including a child. That place, that waiting room, I pray that we will come to understand that that place is a great place of learning, it's a place of growth, and it's a place or a point in which will define our destiny. It is like a platform to shoot us to our destiny. We can't get to destiny without waiting. We think destiny needs to be worked at, but destiny is already in our hearts because Christ died for our destiny. So it's already printed, imprinted, printed. It's already sealed in us. So we don't need to work hard at it. We just need to learn to wait for it. Are we okay? Are we okay? So this morning, I'm going to just lay a foundation based on the scripture. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. I'm going to just share five simple things, but I think are profound things that you and I need to understand about the waiting room. The first thing, and if you've got a book, write it. If you've got a phone, tablet it, or whatever you do with the phone, or take a photo of it. But the first thing is the waiting room is unavoidable. Oh. Everyone will experience this place. Everyone will go through a period in their time that there is a gap. Many say it's seasons. Many say it's cycles. I'm going to call it a waiting room, a place between reality and his promise. A reality looks grim, but his promise is a yes and amen. That place, that gap, oh, that's a hard place to be. Are you with me, family? Are you with me? So there are many men and women in the Bible that we can see the picture of the waiting room. I want to share a few with us, and I'm just going to share with you some characters from the Word of God. And I encourage us to to open up our Bibles this week and just read a little bit more about these people that I'm going to share upon. Because we can become so familiar that we miss the point. Are you okay? We can be familiar in relationships. I've been married... 30 years, ma and pa's been married 46 years. Sometimes that relationship becomes more familiar. We've got to spice it up so he gets a shock. <laughs> Have we got any under 16s? Just <laughs> uh, 
uh, all the married couples and those who ain't but still doing it, say amen. Okay, so you know what I mean, okay? Uh, okay, just wipe that one off the, the, the audio. So here's Abraham. This is a picture of his waiting room. You see, Abraham had been given a promise from God. And we know that the promise was fourfold, but I'm going to share one promise. The promise that he would have a seed. He will receive a child. He will be given a child at a very old age. Now, if you told me and my husband that we were going to have a child at his age, I would like, praise Jesus. It's got to be a miracle. But Abraham received the promise. Abraham received this promise from God. But I want us to remember this, that once he received the promise, God placed him in the waiting room. He received the promise and instantly God placed him in the waiting room and it took 25 years from the time that God spoke to the time that uh, that Abraham received. 25 years, we complain about two. We complain about one week. We complain about one hour. But here is God and God gives him this promise and now God places him in the waiting room and that place to define him, refine him, put him through the fire, put him through the furnace, shake him up, shook him up, do whatever he needs to do to get Abraham in the place in which God could use him to bring Israel to their destiny. Whoa, 25 years. What about the children of Israel? They waited for centuries to be delivered from Egypt. Then once they were delivered, they had to wait another 40 years. Wow, it's a bit like our journey, I believe, as as people, as human beings, something great happens and we think we're on this roll, then we've got to wait a bit longer. So here is, here is the people of Israel, the children of Israel, they've been released from, from, from Egypt, then they need to wait another 40 years to receive the promised land. How about Noah? Oh, this is, this is, this character, this, this man, I tell you, God told Noah to build an ark for it's going to rain and he's going to cause a flood. He's never seen rain in his whole life. Rain has never been um, come down onto the earth. And here God says, I'm going to cause rain. Imagine Noah's mind thinking, what is rain? What is that? It's like me telling Parkias about boil-up. What is boil-up? Oh, you're smiling this morning. God's good. So God told Noah to build an ark because it's going to rain. And guess what? Once God told him, it took him 100 years. You're going to wait. But guess what you're going to do while you wait? You're going to build what I tell you to build. But it's going to take you 100 years to build it. Pastors, we just want a five-minute kind of job. Just give us a five-minute church. We'll build it in five minutes, and we'll be awesome. But God says to Noah, you're going to build your church, and it's going to take you 100 years. And guess what? Only eight people are going to get saved. you see that picture? He's Noah. He's been commanded to build this church and it takes him a hundred years to build. I don't know about you, but if I'm building a house for a hundred years, I expect more than eight people to be saved. But this is God and God blesses this family through eight. Are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. I'm, I'm just telling you about that a waiting room. It's unavoidable. You and I will have to travel it. How about the prophets in the Old Testament? They waited for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer who would come from heaven. But God's people were placed in a waiting room. 
They waited from generation to generation. They waited from century after century. Then God remained silent for about 400 years. But the waiting, because the word was prophesied that the Messiah will come. The gospel was preached in the book of Genesis when he says that uh, the, the serpent, uh, the head of the serpent, the woman will crush the head of the serpent. The gospel was preached that time. Mm, okay, that's another story. Okay, that went over your heads, but I'm going to share that one day. God was silent. Now the church today, you and I are waiting for the second coming of Christ. We're waiting. This time of waiting is critical for our destination, the waiting room. No one can avoid. Everybody, whether you are in Christ or outside of Christ, everybody is in this waiting room because everybody will stand before God one day. Throughout history, many men and women come to this place. And if we really examine these times, we would really see that the waiting rooms in our lives have a purpose. They have a place to play in our destiny. And as we journey through life, it doesn't requ- it requires us to be patient. It requires us to learn this thing called waiting. My kids don't like waiting. I don't like waiting. <laughs> we all have things that we're waiting for. We have dreams. We're waiting for dreams to come to pass. We have problems. We're waiting for our problems to turn around. All of us, one time or another, we've prayed to God for something. We're waiting for the answer. The gap between the prayer and the manifestation of that prayer, the waiting room. Maybe you have applied for a job. You've given your best CV. You know you're the right person for that job. But now you've been placed in the waiting room. In this place called the waiting room, many believe it's wasting time. We all believe. Most people think, man, I'm just wasting time. We, we need to be moving, right? We need to be doing things. And when it takes so long, it, we be, can become impatient. And many times people forfeit their opportunity to wait. They forfeit it. And the waiting room is critical. Many become frustrated. We're always in the rush to get to the next place. Always in the rush to get to the next thing. Can I tell you that I have a very strict calendar. My, my calendar is strict, even though I really don't read the calendar. And my staff tell me to read my calendar because they book things and I forget that I'm booked. But it's a really strict calendar. But I want to share that when you lose someone in your life, you then think that calendar <laughs> wasn't really worth it. Things just change. Your priorities just change. And you think about this life you've lost. Does that make sense? Are we okay? The thing about this waiting room, that if we get fast and we want to go to the next thing, and often that place, our mindset carries it into our spiritual lives, and we think that we need to rush to the next big thing. Church is rushing to the next big thing. People are rushing to the next best thing. The waiting room is, att- is attached to our destiny. We don't need to rush. We don't need to rush to the next big thing. Our patience is working. 
our muscles are getting stronger, and we can forfeit the learning of the waiting room when we run from the experience. And when we run from the waiting room, it delays our destiny. So all of us, can I say that? Say to yourself, I'm going to go into the waiting room. You are, every one of us. Second thing, the waiting room reveals our heart. This is a big thing because I saw this during level four, level three, and level two lockdown. And I'll give you some scenarios. Our response is our responsibility. Say that to yourself. The way I respond is my responsibility. We all must be careful that when we are in the waiting room, in the between, in the gap process, we must respond to life's circumstances. But when we do, it does reveal your heart. It reveals my heart. How we respond to circumstances reveals the heart of man. Jesus says that you'll be recognized by your fruit. I'll be recognized by the fruit. Think about it this way. Whenever you and I are forced to wait, we can easily find ourselves reacting to the circumstances. I'm going to give you a scenario. I went to the doctors at 11 a.m. for my 11 a.m. appointment. At about 11.45, I decided to go to the receptionist because I have a calendar. I have appointments. I have things to do. I need to get to the next thing. So I need to get things moving. 11.45, I went to the receptionist and said, Sweetheart, can you tell me why it's taking, I've been here for 45 minutes. People are coming, people are going. And the lovely lady, she smiled at me, she apologized. She said, I'm so sorry, Athena, there was an emergency. So I thought to myself, be calm, go take your seat. So I said, okay. She said, it won't take any much longer. I go down, I take a seat. People come, people go. And we think that that's the devil. I don't know. 11 o'clock, 11.45, you're still waiting for your doctor's appointment. People are coming, people are going. You're still waiting for your doctor's appointment. How would you respond in that circumstance? How have you responded in the current circumstances that you and I find ourselves in now? During level four lockdown, people were intense. Shopping centers, I mean, shops, you know, supermarkets, dairies, lines were queues like two, like right around Westfield, like right around to get into countdown. It was intense. It was frustrating. And I loved standing there watching people lose their mind. I loved it. I loved standing there watching people lose their mind. Because when they're forced to wait, they can't control the waiting. So this is how I observed their waiting. Many of them grabbed their phones, trying to keep moving, right? Trying to keep things going, trying to operate their lives from their phones, ringing family, Facebooking, FaceTiming, Snapchatting, uh, uh, complaining all over Instagram and all that kind of stuff. They're using their phone to deter the pain of waiting. I was one of them. Some expressed their complaints. They especially, excuse me, but it was older generation. I'm just saying, my observation, my observation. They expressed their complaints when the time extended beyond their own limits. 
They stormed off and they would get, they would get upset. Can I tell us that this reminds me of the life of Peter? Peter was told by Jesus that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Are we, we remember that story? When he was challenged in his waiting room, his response revealed his heart. You've got to see the story. Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. He goes, no, I love you, Lord. Oh, I'll go to die for you. I'll bet for you. Oh, dude, sounds a bit like us, eh? Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then God puts us in a waiting room and then, oh, God, where are you? You suck potatoes. Not anyone in this house. Maybe Pastor Royce's house. Pastor Royce, are you listening? <laughs> That's not Hills NZ. So here is Peter, and he has been challenged, and in his waiting room, his response revealed his heart. But that was exactly where Jesus needed Peter to be, in that waiting place. He had to take Peter to that place, and Peter, the Bible says, he repented, and he was empowered, and he did some amazing things, but he needed to strip away all that doubt, all that frustration, all that it's about me, and he needed to strip all that away because it revealed his heart. Our heart are revealed so that we can be ready to move forward. When God reveals our heart in our waiting room, it gives God the ability to move us forward because he needs to deal with some stuff before he can give us more. If we can be faithful with the small, he will bless us with more or much. So are you ready for God's next move this morning? You see, Peter before, Peter, before he denied Jesus, it is told in Matthew 16, it says that Jesus, he said to Jesus, Jesus, you are the son of, you're the son of Christ. You are the living one. You're the son of God. Thank you, Bibles, theology, man. You are the son of God. You're the living, living son of God. And Jesus says to Peter these words, he says, Peter, because of that testimony on this rock, I will build my church. Because of that testimony, Jesus says, I'm going to build the church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. You see, friends, in order for Peter to be ready for Jesus' resurrection and power, God needed to place him in a waiting room so that Peter could see for himself his true heart issues. Many of us can't see ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can see everybody else's heart. We seem to have an opinion about everyone else's waiting room. But man, no, we don't have an opinion about us. We don't have, nah. Remember, it's Pastor Royce's church I'm talking about. I'll tell him to listen to this message. <laughs> this is what I call the blind spots in life. The waiting room has a way of revealing those blind spots. Most of us know the story of Moses. Moses delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was a grand story. God did amazing things, did amazing miracles. But Moses stayed in the waiting room for 40 years before God came back to him. Now think about it. We complain when we're waiting a short time. But here is Moses on the backside of the desert waiting for God for 40 years. And when he was ready to be used and God transformed his character, he said, yep, I'm ready now. 
I'll go back and I'll set my people free. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I've learned my lesson. I've hit everything. Because we understand that he ran away because he killed someone. He hit the body. Sounds like a serial. I mean, this is, we complain about the news. Just read the Bible. The news is in the Bible. You want to hear bad stories? Go to the Bible. It's all in there. But when, when he sinned, but when his sin was made public, he ran and he hid away in the sides of the desert. And when God gave him another chance, he took up the chance. He ended up by going back to Egypt and he delivered the people and he became a great, great leader. Like Peter and Moses in his waiting room, transformation happened. Can I say this again? Like Peter and Moses in the waiting room, transformation happened. That had to be our children. Are you okay? The third thing, are we okay? Say, I'm okay. Bear with me. We have 15 minutes. Oh, how long do we have? We have five. They are standing there going, get off. I'm only on to point three. Five minutes. Okay, count me down, baby. Count me down. Five minutes. Okay, five minutes. If you, the pastors are both standing, Sam, you're awesome. He's just standing there smiling. But two pastors at the back going, five minutes, five minutes. Okay. Okay, third thing. I might not get to the five, but it's, hey, guess what? I'll publish this online and they, they will do something fancy with it. So the third thing, the waiting room, in the waiting room, we're not in control. Okay? God is God. If you're waiting on something or someone, it immediately announces that you're not in control. If you're waiting... You're not in control. If you're waiting for the bus, who's in control? Hmm. If you're waiting for your Uber, who's in control? If you're waiting for the line at the checkout, who's in control? And none of us like it. Not us. Remember Pastor Royce's church, okay? Keep, keep, keep with me. So when God calls us to the waiting room, it is him that is in the driver's seat and All we need to do is learn to trust God. And I know this is hard because trusting God is not an event. It is a journey. Trusting God does not come when we give our hearts to Jesus. That stuff needs to stop in the body of Christ. Trusting God is a process that takes every single bit of my strength. You don't tell me to trust God when my bank balance is zero and I can't feed my kids. Because I don't know, I just need Kai on my table so I can feed my kids. So trusting God is a movement of forwardness. It's not an event that you're, oh, I'm going to trust God. I'm saved. I love Jesus. And we want you to have that attitude and mentality, but it takes a lifetime and none of us will ever get to that place. Okay, we okay? So God is God and we are not. I want us to look at Jonah. Jonah, he ran from God because he didn't want to do what God told him to do. It sounds a lot like Pastor Royce's church. I love you, Pastor Royce. You're amazing. I've got to use you so the church doesn't get upset with me. (laughs) So he runs from God because he didn't want to be told what to do. And God told him, no, you go preach. And he's Jonah, and Jonah says no, and he ran. His running led him to his waiting room. You think your running's going to let you go to anywhere you want? No, it's leading you to your waiting room. His waiting room was a ship, then a fish. Jonah thought that he was in control, so he gets on the ship, but God was there. I want you to hear this next statement, and I want you to grab it and say, "Uh uh-huh, okay? I want to remind us this morning that no matter where you are, God is and God was. 
You may be in the lowest ditch of waiting, but God is and God was already there. You may be in a valley or a high top mountain. God is and God was. Now we need to grasp this understanding that God sent the storm. He sends storms. And I know by experience that when he sends storms, he's trying to get my attention. Well, during COVID-19, he got my attention. I'm not saying God sent that. Oh, please don't scrape that off the record. I'm not saying this is God, but damn, God's going to use that. Are you okay? This caused the men in the ship to throw Jonah overboard. It sounds a bit like Pastor Royce's church. (laughs) Things get tough, Chris. You just muck up and you're, I'm going to throw you out. It's all your fault. See, it's good for us to look at someone else's waiting room, but hard to look at our own. So they threw him overboard. Someone say overboard. Now the waiting room for Jonah begins. Three days in the belly of the fish. Three days waiting for God to redeem him. Three days. Only three days. Try 40, Jonah. Stay in the fish for 40 years. But three days. The waiting room caused Jonah to repent. And this is what the waiting room should do for us. It should cause us to check ourselves out. So Jonah, he's in this belly and he begins to repent. And in that belly, he probably lights the fire, has a cool old time, gets some fish, cooks it up and has a bit of a hangi. And he's waiting in this belly and he's worshiping God during his hangi. Now who's in control? Jonah wasn't. Jonah's waiting room was his defining point to his destiny. His waiting room swam him all the way to his destiny. And that room threw him out into the island of Nivea where he preached the gospel of repentance and a city was saved. Being in that waiting room, it swam. I wish I had a waiting room that swam and threw me into my destiny. But this is what happened in Jonah's life, that waiting room that he had to go through. It was his destiny point. It pushed him into his destiny. It it swam him into the destiny and he preached repentance and he saved the people of Nivea. Now, look at our lives, friends. When we are uncertain about our waiting room season that we find ourselves in, it can last a long time. Please don't put a timeline on your waiting room. You will disappoint yourself. You become frustrated. And then you start focusing more on your situation and forget that God's in control. Because God is and God was already there. Point four, I'm disobeying you because I'm in control. <laughs> Point four, I'm going to quickly do this. The waiting room produces fruit, okay? Nothing is ever wasted in your waiting room. Psalms 27, wait on the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. This means that God never wastes your time in your waiting room. Our waiting room will show who we become as we wait. As we wait, it shows who we will become. During my waiting moments in hibernation, I started eating very unhealthy, and everyone knows me. I'm a healthy freak. I may look like it, but I'm very healthy. I don't like certain foods. I'm very fussy. I bike a lot. I run a lot. Actually, I took my daughter for a run, and she couldn't keep up, and she's only 22, Sapina. 
but I run a lot and I bike a lot. But I started eating unhealthy and I started creating unhealthy habits because I started becoming a bit lazy. Do you know the word lazy? I'm not talking about this church, it's Pastor Royce's church. I sat by the TV, I would, I would, I binged Netflix, I just like, and after about a week or two, I had to snap myself out of my waiting room because I was wasting my, wasting my, wasting my waiting room by wasting my time. Are we okay? That wasn't new, I'm just talking about my story. All right? So in this place, in this waiting room, it always will build our character. I want us to look quickly at the life of Elizabeth, okay? I'm going to go fast. I know you're wanting to get out and get your life done, but I want you to understand the story about Elizabeth. She was married to Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. He was a priest in the godly line of Levi. You know who I'm talking about. Luke tells us that they were godly, devout people, but he also tells us that they were childless, that they had no children. And their waiting room expanded over decades. Imagine waiting and serving God in the church all your life and God doesn't answer your prayer for having a children. And think about it this way. You are already an outcast because you don't have kids. Think about the time that the Bible was, was written. So they're serving hard out in the church and they're loving, loving, you know, doing the work of the Lord. But God didn't come when they wanted God to come. And then they were waited for over a decade. Are you okay? They served the house. They were faithful. They were godly people serving God with, while waiting for a child. Their waiting room produced endurance. Their waiting room produced humility. Their waiting room produces dedication and service, which in turn produced a son who had become a forerunner. His name was John. The waiting room. Are we okay? Are we okay? We're getting this. Am I going too fast? Because I'm now telling, I'm now getting TikToking, TikToking. So John would be born to prepare the way of the Lord. We all know John, he would be born to prepare the way of the Lord. This seed, this seed, John, was conceived in the waiting room. Your waiting room will conceive a fruit that will bring forth birth, that will make a way for your destiny. I'm telling you now, don't shortcut your waiting room. I tell you, don't shortcut it because in that waiting room, you're going to produce a seed. You're going to get pregnant men. Yes. (laughs) Ah, you're past that age now, but you're going to get pregnant men of God. You're going to be pregnant in that waiting room with fire and destiny and passion, you're going to serve the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and lean not on your own understanding, men of God. Woo! In the waiting room, this happened. So here's Elizabeth and here's Zechariah. They've been waiting. And maybe you've been waiting. You've been waiting a very long time. But I want you to know that, that nothing that takes place in the waiting room will ever be wasted, okay? It won't be wasted. It's not going to be wasted, Okay? Are we okay? Fifth, one more minute. One more minute. If I get anyone looking at one more minute. Now all the leaders are laying, standing at the back. The whole lot of them. Turn around. Everybody turn around and look at them. Tell them one more minute. People are sat tough pickies. They can wait. They can wait. They're going to feel Shekinah glory in here. Okay. So the waiting room is only temporary. Say temporary. 
God was set, God has set eternity in the hearts of man. I want you to know it's temporary. Where you are is temporary. Where you are is temporary. Revelation 21 says that one day the former things will pass away. And the former things, including your waiting, it's going to pass away. I will put it away. He says, I'm going to put it away. It's like me. I can't wear winter clothes in summer. I can't take my jeans and my jacket to Samoa. Why? Because I need summer clothes in Samoa. You got it? Does that make sense? When I go out to the doctors, I don't expect to stay in the waiting room. I expect the doctor to come and take me into his room and examine me in his room, not in the waiting room. Are we okay? It's a temporary place. I want to quickly tell you about this man named Jesus. Okay, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is the foundation of everything. Okay, people are waiting, people are waiting. This is good. I'm glad they're waiting. This is going to teach them to be humble. So here is Jesus. Now Pastor D has moved from the front to the back. This is serious bananas. Okay, quickly, quickly. So now here is Jesus. He had a waiting room too. You need to hear this. The son of heaven was hung on a tree for you and me, right? On the cross, he cries out to his father, Eli, Eli, lama shatakai. Are you right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Bible tells us that God turned away. Oh my goodness. The kingdom of heaven turns his back from the son of heaven. Are you with me? His waiting room was only temporary. It wasn't the final destination for Jesus. I want you to hear this very quickly, very quickly, okay? This is important. This point is really important. His crucifixion, you hear me? His crucifixion leads to our burial. Hear me. Which leads to our resurrection. Hear me. Which leads us to our defeat over hell. Which then leads us now to the right hand side of the Father. I want you to hear that again. His crucifixion leads us to our burial. Because we've got to die in order to come alive. You've got to sow the seed. The seed must die and then it comes alive. It's, it's, it's seed time and harvest, right? If you know how to plant things, they die in the soil so it can produce new things. So it, it produces, it leads us to our burial, which leads us to our resurrection, which leads us to our defeat over hell and now has led us to the right-hand side of the Father. His waiting room was the entrance to our eternity. Hear me? Woo! I feel like they just need to be slayed down there by Holy Ghost. Okay, his waiting room has now produced and asked the God factor, eternity in the heart of all men, not just those who claim Jesus to be their savior, but everybody on planet earth has been imprinted with eternity. So don't you be mocking that guy that goes to the pub. How about you go pick him up for church, even though he's half cut. Bring him to church, give him a coffee, and let him sit there. Okay, because he's got eternity on his heart too. Okay, all right. Friends, can I encourage us this morning? And my last thing, you may be frustrated. You may be upset, maybe uncomfortable because you're in this place. But that place that you're in right now is only temporary. It's a waiting room for God to do his most magnificent work in you and on you. Amen. Be upstanding in God's glory. Woo-hoo! Can you give the Lord a hand? <laughs>